the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, six minutes after six of Friday morning. We have made it to the weekend. We've just got a few hours to go, at least I do, for doing my my business this week. And then uh, I'll be ready to kick back a little bit and enjoy the weekend, stay up a little later during the night and watch some of the shows I like to see at night. Uh, but um, some sad news to start the show off with today. Many of you, uh, I'm sure, are aware that Herman Cain passed away yesterday. And uh, Herman was a friend of mine. I got to be friends with him back on the uh, presidential trail back in, I think, what, 2008, something like that. And uh, it was funny because that year I was traveling in a lot of different uh, places uh, during the primary season, South Carolina and Ohio and different places like that. And every where that we went and at that time my producer was a guy named Scott Nauman still a friend of mine and uh, has a beautiful family lives here in Little Rock and uh, got married to a Cajun lady and uh, they get along really good except for when uh, LSU and Arkansas play uh, <laughs> in the SEC then as anybody's they're up for grabs but uh he made himself available to us all the time. He wanted to sit down and talk and and not only talk to us when we were on the air, but he sat down and talked to us, just wanted to chew the fat with us many, many times where he was at and uh, just was an outstanding man. I mean, a rocket scientist and then uh, went to Godfather Pizza and turned it around, did the same thing with Pepsi, turned it around as a company. Godfather Pizza, he turned it around in 14 months. Incredible what he did with Godfather Pizza. And when he left, he went back in the tube again. But, yeah, they, he, he was just an outstanding man. He understood business. He could talk business. He understood America. He talked about America. He loved America. And uh, he, was, he was, to be with him, this big personality, this big guy, uh, was, uh, for me, you know, it, it, I was lucky to get to spend personal time with him. I really, really was. There's people that you never forget that you get to know um, in my business, in my life, you know, they just, they make huge uh, differences. 
you know, as, as far as uh, on that go. And the other thing that uh, really excites me, uh, it did excite me about him, is he was such a dynamic speaker. He came here to Little Rock several times uh, with American Prosperity and uh, and gave speeches. And, you know, you can call him red meat, you can call him tail winders, you can talk, call him whatever you want to. But the truth that he was able to articulate to people and bring it in in such a way that they could really uh, get a hold of what it was was uh, exciting to me. And I guess the thing that disturbs me right now are the people who are, you know, you die and some people think that that gives you a legitimate just to take a last shot at somebody. And the people have, of course mentions him as being an, an Uncle Tom, uh, that he sold out to the white man and, and all the rest that they said. And let me just tell you, if that's if he supposedly sold out his race, what a guy. That's all I'll say. What a guy. By the way, I want to share one other thing with you. Elizabeth just posted something to me for my information. And the post that we have now had on Iverson Jackson's candidacy for uh, the Arkansas GOP chairmanship is over 6,000 hits now. That's huge. That's just absolutely huge. And um, I count myself lucky that I know Iverson, too, because Iverson is another giant of a man if you ever get a chance to meet him get a chance to talk to him do that you'll meet a man who uh, who served his country who continues to serve his country that's a preacher uh, a very moral man and a man who loves his country and uh, speaks the truth he's a great guy all right let's get into some of the News that's a, a little bit more uplifting. That thing about Iverson's pretty doggone uplifting, to be honest with you. Uh, but um, a lot of things going on. I uh, wanted to tell you that uh, Fridays are typically we, we talk about show business some um, and movies and music and things. In fact, uh, Mitch and Elizabeth Breitweiser will be on with us at 635 uh, Mitch has been a friend of our show for a long time. It's been a while since he's been on. He's been very, very, very busy launching a new business, uh, launching all of his new products, Red Rooster and a lot of things. Uh, has worked for Marvel, worked for DC. His wife still does coloring uh, for uh, graphic novels and comic books. I think the last one she did, and I'll if, if she's on the line with them, I'll ask her about it. I think it was Batman and Superman. You can't get can't get to any bigger uh, characters in comic books than Batman and Superman. And she colored it, and it looks fantastic. She is very very uh, talented, and so is Mitch. Uh, there is now going to be a lot of you are like me. You like the Judge Dredd. Now, there's two different schools usually on uh, Judge Dredd, and and uh, there's the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd, and then there's the the Carl Urban Judge Dredd. And I, I got to tell you that I kind of I fall in the latter. I'm kind of a Carl Urban kind of guy. 
I really liked what Carl Urban did with the Dredge, uh, the Dredge uh, uh, character. He was great in that movie. Uh, and they're saying that if everything works out, both of them are going to appear in this new TV show that's coming out. And uh, the name of it will be Mega City One is what they're, uh, they're saying they're going to call it. Mega City One. So, you know, keep your eye out on that. Uh, yeah, Carl Urban says, I want there to be a, a sequel to the 2012 movie Dread. We've got the rights back so we can do it. We've just got to get rid of this virus thing that's going on at the moment. And then hopefully things can kick off in all sorts of different areas of making film and TV. It's just it's all very messed up at the moment for everybody. A lot of work has been done on all sorts of different scripts, actually. So Mega City won the TV show. Basically, we can't go into production because of the situation. And we've got the scripts and everything is ready to go. But the problem is because of the situation and everybody's funding changes and everybody's shifting around. So, you know, it is what it is uh, with uh, the whole thing dealing with uh, the COVID-19 situation. So well, I'm looking forward to it coming this coming back. It's going to be through Rebellion. Uh, again, uh, Carl Urban is looking to be uh, uh, in the movie. Uh, he was directed back in 2012 by Pete Travis. And it didn't do real well at the box office, but it has have, has a, a loyal audience. I'm one of those loyal fans. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against what uh, Stallone did. Uh, I thought Stallone did a, a decent job as Dread, but I thought Carl Urban really did the best of grabbing the darkness of the, 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 the Judge Dread character. So uh, that's one that uh, we can all look forward to when it gets here. Now, have you seen the poster, uh, the new poster that's out for Chris Helmsworth? He's doing a biopic on uh, the Hulk. And uh, there is a poster out now of him dressed as the Hulk. He looks identical to the Hulk. Now, as far as, you know getting the, the same body style and stuff all of his years as Thor uh, he's able to build his body no doubt about that and uh, but man this teaser poster is really cool I'll uh, send it off to uh, uh, Elizabeth and we'll post it on my Facebook page so you can see it it is very very cool uh, the poster features uh, Helmsworth, and it's followed up with one depicting fellow Marvel Cinematic Universe star and Captain America himself, Chris Evans. Check this out. Are you, are you sitting down? If you're a wrestling fan, you're going to get excited here. Because you know how great Chris Evans was as Captain America. He's going to be playing Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm saying bring it. All right? This is going to be a great movie. This is going to be... A great movie. So uh, Helmsworth and Evans uh, reuniting outside of the Avengers and this time in the WWF at the time, uh, you know, with Hulk, the Hulkster and, and everything going on. And uh, it's going to be interesting how they portray McMahon and how they portray Turner, the uh, two giants of wrestling. 
uh, during uh, the heyday back in the 90s. All right, 17 after 6. Let's get a break. Got a few more notes for you when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, coming up at 635, the Brightweisers join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We continue on a Friday. A couple other uh, interesting movie notes that I thought were uh, kind of cool because uh, they're getting ready to make movies of, of, of people that were big kind of icons for me as far as uh, show business went. I mean, the Hulk and, and Macho, Randy, Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, come on. I mean, when you, you start talking about wrestling, or better yet, wrestling, uh, you've got to talk about those two gentlemen. They did a lot for the business. And uh, I've sent the pictures to Elizabeth. Uh, she'll post them on my Facebook uh, page. But Chris Helmsworth kills the Hulk. He really does. He looks great. And then uh, Chris Evans is all decked out as, as the Macho Man. You'll like that as well. Check it out. Just go to, uh, uh, you know, the, over there, the Facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. And you'll be able to pick up uh, those pictures. Share them with your friends. It's going to be cool. Sam Rockwell is going to do a biopic. And he is going to play Merle Haggard. Now, real country fans love Merle Haggard. It's like real country fans love Willie and Waylon and the boys. And Merle Haggard uh, is one of the boys as far as I'm concerned. So he'll be playing the icon. Uh, The company has acquired a picture or a package for a new biopic. and Amazon is the one that's going to be doing this. Uh, according to a new report, Amazon Studios recently acquired the package and is gearing up to produce the Merle Haggard biopic. Robin Bissell set to direct and co-write the screenplay, which will be based on Merle's uh, memoir, Sing Me Back Home. He will also co-write the script alongside uh, Teresa Haggard, the musician's widow. Both Bissell and Haggard are set to produce the movie as well. Uh, they're saying that Sam's deal hasn't completely officially closed yet as of uh, the writing of the article, but things seem to be heading in the right direction for him uh, to play the part. And they have a picture of him, uh, and uh, he's, he's, he's channeling Merle Haggard, there's no doubt. Uh, Merle was an interesting character because he spent time in more than a dozen juvenile detention facilities, He eventually spent time in San Quentin State Prison, and that's where his life would change. Uh, Haggard witnessed another musical legend, Johnny Cash, play for the prisoners. How's that one for you? Uh, And that changed Johnny Cash's career. It set his career on fire. Well, it launched Merle Haggard. It set him on a path to change his life, become a better man. Haggard uh, succeeded beyond compare with the Country Music Hall of Fame, calling him, quote, the single most influential singer-songwriter in country music history. He was eventually pardoned by former president and then Governor Ronald Reagan. Apollo 16 astronaut uh, Charlie Duke also notably brought one of Haggard's albums to the moon. During his long story career, Haggard produced nine number one songs, with 71 of his tunes reaching the top ten. 
Some of his most well-known songs include Okie from Muskogee, The Fight Inside of Me, Today I Start Loving You Again, and I Think I'll Just Stay Here <laughs> and Drink. I love that song. It's a good song. He passed away at the age of 79 back in 2016, so I'll look forward to seeing that on Amazon when they stream that. And then lastly, I don't know if the if the um, uh, outdoor theater up in uh, Marshall uh, is going to take part in this. I'm going to I'll give them a call later today and see. But they have remastered and digitalized Halloween, the original 1978 masterpiece from uh, uh, you know Carpenter with Jamie Lee Curtis and and all the great actors in that movie. Uh, and they're going to show it during Halloween at drive-ins across uh, the U, uh, United States. And I'm just hoping that they they grab this package, grab this package over there at uh, 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 Marshall because they're gonna they're, they're connecting Halloween, Halloween four and Halloween five uh, all together. So you can see three movies. And uh, that's going to be fun. Last night I was perusing around on the Internet and uh, came across the old trailer for the movie Halloween where, you know, you're looking through the killer's mask. And then at the end of it, uh, they reach down, they they pull off the mask, and it's the little kid with the 12-inch butcher knife uh, that has dispatched his family. It's... um, It's one of the great seminal horror movies of all time. It was so great, goes to show how great it was, that they they relaunched it again here two years ago with Jamie Lee Curtis again in the title row. And it was so well written by the the, uh, Green and and the other folks that that did the script uh, that it did fantastic business at the box office. And so they're doing two more. Uh, They're shooting two movies at the same time, supposedly ending the, um, you know, the the ending of the myth of the evil from Halloween. We'll see if that happens. If both those movies make big bucks, don't expect that they won't make another one uh, after that. But... um, yeah, they're going to be breaking the, the Shatner uh, Halloween mask out again. And uh, that new Halloween movie comes out next year. And I think it's going to just be called Kill. And then they have uh, another one coming out uh, a year or two after that one. So it's going to be fun to see what uh, what they, uh, they come up. But uh, I think it's so cool that they're going to put this uh, the original back up on the big screen. And what a, what better way to do it than to show it at a drive-in? I mean, that's when I saw Halloween. I saw Halloween at the drive-in back in uh, 1978. Uh, saw it uh, when I, I was on I was on leave, and uh, back in the states from Guam, and uh, and went and saw it with some friends, and we all loved it, man. We just all loved that movie. It was a great, great, great film. So it has been digitalized and remastered. And uh, it's going to be playing at drive-in starting this coming weekend, leading up to Halloween night on October 
31st. So uh, I'll call out to Marshall, see if they're, uh, they're, they're saying that they're going to carry it, if they're going to pick up the package and show Halloween out there. Uh, I'll run out there and drive all the way out there just to get to the mar- get a picture of the marquee. It would be cool to see an old marquee with the title Halloween on it. That would be awesome to see. So coming up here in just a moment, we're going to take a break. Got news coming our way. Get you caught up on what's happening right now. And then uh, Mitch and uh, Elizabeth uh, Breitweiser will join us. We'll find out what they've been up to. Uh, Mitch has got his own uh, series of comics out now. Uh, He's working with Walmart. So uh, we'll find out what all's going on with that. A lot has changed for him over the last couple of years when he started appearing on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we'll spend a half time, uh, half hour with them. Then coming up at 7 o'clock, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett will join us. And we'll talk a little bit more politic kind of things here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, let's get to the news. It's up next on 101.1. All right, 25 minutes till 7. We continue with our Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. And a couple of good friends of mine are stopping by by phone to talk about some great things that have happened in their lives. They're very talented artists. They both graduated from Harding University. They're uh, Arkansans in heart and in spirit, and their names are Mitch and uh, Elizabeth Breitweiser. And it's good to have them here because I haven't had Mitch. Has it been over? A, it's been over a year since you've been on the show. Yeah, probably. We've been uh, we've had our heads down and been working really hard trying to build this comic book company. Well, you've done a, an admirable job. I remember you sitting in the studio one day and looking at me and say. And you said to me, there's some big things getting ready to happen. Don't ask me about them on the air because I can't talk about them. And then you just kind of disappeared. And I was here through the grapevine that you were doing big work with Walmart. Is that what this is all about? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we pitched Walmart on a comic book initiative, and they accepted it. And we got distribution uh, through uh, kind of outside the regular sphere of comic book hobby shop distribution with a mass market retail distributor and we're hitting the ground running we've got eight comic books out now on the shelves at over wow. three thousand walmarts uh several in the arkansas area so it should be in a, one in a neighborhood near you uh four titles and we are you know a few months into our initiative now okay so i gotta i gotta assume that red rooster is one of the titles Yes, the Red Rooster, the Futurists, Bass Reeves, okay. if you love westerns, who's an, he's an Arkansas hero, and a book called Nora's Saga that's doing very well for us. All right. So, Elizabeth, what's your what's your play in all of this? You last I heard, you were out uh, doing great work for Marvel and for DC and doing their covers and things of that nature, and then you kind of disappeared as well. What's going on with you? Oh, well, I'm in the same boat here with Mitch. So I'm a co-founder of the company and the president and, and function as the president and publisher for the company. And so I pretty much have my hands full right now with, coloring with a book. that endeavor. And I'm coloring a book. Mitch and I both are uh, artists as well on our books as well as executives for the company. So we got a pretty full plate. I am kind of wrapping up some contracts I still have out with DC Comics and with Image Comics. So uh, I did a beautiful. I think you saw the uh, the Batman cover recently. Oh my did, god! Batman Superman cover. So that was a lot of fun. That would probably be one of my last covers and projects I do for 
D.C., so I figured that was a good one to go out on. Yeah, yeah. Just think about this. Between the two of you, Batman, you also have done, uh, you know, uh, Superman now. You've done... uh, you got to think it off the top of my head here. Walter the Hulk, Captain if America. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Captain America, which I have original art uh, that you've done on that, uh, Mitch, which is just fantastic. You did Captain America. You had a lot to do with Dixon on bringing on uh, uh, Drax, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that true? Yeah, yeah, so I redesigned Drax. It was the very first thing I did for Marvel and kind of helped inspire the movie uh, the Hollywood look uh, for the character. So that was uh, a great, a great pleasure. All right. With your own deal there, I mean, have you guys, are you under undercover enough to stay away from the cancel culture that's out there always looking for somebody that they can take down? Well, I mean, we, we've, we've, we've certainly been victims of that thing in the Yeah, past, you have been. But- and it's part but, of the reason why we've gone out on our own and, and, done and that. started our own initiative. And uh, yeah, so now we're sort of, I mean, we're the boss of our own publishing company. We make it in the image that we like, and we have a, and we don't participate in cancel culture. So our artists can come work for us and know that uh, we're not going to be bothered by the mob, and that they have a safe place to come and create and create excellent work. Uh, and I think that's one of the benefits and uh, of uh, coming and creating great books with us. Did I hear you say when we were talking before we came on the air, Elizabeth, that your distribution is now bigger than DC or Marvel? It is. So, oh my God! Uh, we're, we're Congratulations! Yes, yes. Thank you. We're very proud. Um, so we have, we are bringing comic books, periodical comic books, back to the mass retail market for the first time in in three decades. And our distribution currently is two times larger than uh, the comic book specialty market where Marvel and DC have their books. Yeah, 3,400 Walmarts. And, uh, you know, from there we hope to expand even further with our great distribution partner. And, uh, you know, sadly there are fewer than 2,000 comic book stores remaining uh, in the country. And, uh, and uh, you know, we hope the best for them. And we had some great stores here in, in the state of Arkansas. Uh, but they're getting a, a little bit more hard to find. And we wanted to put comic books back into everyone's backyard, including all the suburbs and rural counties and, and uh, people that uh, would like to be exposed to this kind of great content. This well, is a, a great American art form that we love and we've dedicated our lives to. So we're very proud to make comic books discoverable again and get them back out in the hands of kids and, and fans of all ages and hopefully build a new generation of readers for this art form. Well, let's let's figure. I mean, if it weren't for comic books and graphic novels, Hollywood would be out of out of ideas. That's right. Yeah, and they've already gone through most of them, so they're going to have to come shop with us. We've got some fresh new content, and we can't wait to get it out there. And and hopefully we'll grow this thing, and we'll let the public decide which properties that they love the most. And and then we can take those, hopefully, to the next level to uh, films and television shows and animated features and video games. Okay, so for other people that are uh, trying to break into the business or in the business here in Arkansas, uh, is there a place where they can contact you if they've got some uh, something they want to pitch? Uh, uh, yeah, we, uh, you can, we have a submissions form on our website, allegiancearts.com. 
Uh, and we're pretty active on Facebook. There's always a great conversation going on over there. So, you know, head out to your local Walmart, uh, pick up whatever book looks good to you, and um, then head on over to Facebook and or start our Instagram and let us know what you thought about it. We'd love to see pe- pictures of people with their books, and, and we'd love for people to go out and get them and tag them, and we'll share those. Yeah, share and your And we do have a – I think Mitch mentioned we, had a, we have a submission – section on our website so okay. if you're a great artist you're up and coming you know we're looking for fresh new talent and and we are taking submissions all right very cool that this is this is very good news because i'm so glad to hear that you all are kind of breaking the stranglehold of marvel and dc because that means you'll break the stranglehold of what they're doing politically as well uh, with it. And I'm not going to get deep into all of that. We've done that too many times on the show already. But the bottom line is you all came through the fires of hell at times and have come out on the other side, maybe a little singed, but stronger for what happened. Yes, we walked through the fire, and I think it, and instead of letting it consume us, we're, we're forged as steel. Yeah, That's so, right. so and, you got two options. You can either let it burn you up, or you can uh, forge yourself into a harder metal, and I think that's the way we all have to go, you know, I think, uh, these days. And um, we'll, we'll be much better for it on the other side. And you're exactly right. We want to create universal content, kind of trusted content for everyone of all ages to enjoy. So if you're a kid or an adult, you can read our books and enjoy them on a different level. And and just it's pure, high-quality escapism, which I think the world kind of needs right now with all the craziness going oh on. Oh, my gosh. It's nice I think she undersells right it uh, a little, Dave. They're the best comic books on the shelf. <laughs> I mean, just they're the best. So uh, <laughs> I won't undersell it. Well, well we're very I got proud you. of the quality and the, the, the quality of the creators we have. From our network of uh, talent that we got to know while working at Marvel in D.C., a lot of those guys weren't happy with the books they're working on. They're very excited about our initiative and to get their work out in front of a new audience. And so we're lucky just to be working with some of the world's top illustrators and writers in the industry with this initiative as well. Very cool. Have you heard anything about Chuck Dixon? How is he doing? Oh yeah, uh, Chuck and I are Facebook friends. Uh, I think he—he's he, loving the book. Yeah, he's yeah. really—he just uh, retweeted or he, he re-posted uh, uh, one of our books and said he was going out and getting the next copy. So we're excited about that, and uh, he's doing great. I've, I'm really looking forward to receiving the uh, uh, the uh, what's that? The one he did with Stallone, the uh, uh, Expendables. Yeah, so I've got that book he did with Stallone on order, and I'm excited to read it. Uh, but yeah, he's making waves. For sure, he's a, always. He's really an incredible character. He really is. I don't think there's anybody that writes more prolifically than that guy does. Mm-hmm. He's always writing something. And I read I read all of his, uh, back in the day they call them pulp novels. Uh, but I, I read that stuff that he writes all the time. And, I'm, and I heard that some of it. He's working with Stallone, which is going to be made in the movies, but that 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 drum beat kind of quieted down a little bit. Have to see, you know, the Levon series that he wrote was supposed to be made into some uh, some books. We'll have to see if he's able to carry that through with Stallone. Yeah, yeah we're excited to see. He's a special guy, and the industry is very lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so let's take a, our break. We've got to get a break here. And then I'll come back and you can tell us uh, where you go from here. And, oh, by the way, i got to ask Mitch, are you getting the comic carousels back? That uh, pe- kids can walk up and turn them around and look at all the all the covers of the comic books, or are, are you are you stuck on the book rack? Uh, no, we, uh, well, we don't have a carousel per se, but we manufactured a beautiful display right here in Arkansas. They're bright red, and it's got shelf spacings for eight comic books, uh, and it's got our branding all over it. And uh, you can't miss them if they put them out. So it's a it's kind of a cool experience to shop from the display. So well, I got to go. There. We're close to a wreck. I got to go to Walmart uh, today, so I'll stop by the book section here in Cabot and see if uh, any of any of your products sitting there. If it is, I'll pick some of it up. It's uh, 14 minutes till seven. Let's take a quick break. Mitch and Elizabeth be back with us for one more segment here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back with you, our special guests this morning, uh, Mitch and uh, Elizabeth Breitweiser. Uh, Two of the most well-known, I would think, comic book artists in the state of Arkansas and uh, have done a lot of work uh, in in the trenches for Marvel and uh, for DC and for Image Comics. And what's the big thing now? Is it just the comic books, Mitch and Elizabeth, or is it the graphic novels? I mean, The Walking Dead put the graphic novels, you know, on, on the page for Hollywood. Is Hollywood paying attention still? To the comics, uh, I, well, yeah, I, I think so. Once they're getting back into production, they're going to be looking for more content. There are more platforms than ever before with all these streaming, competing streaming services. So, uh, you know, we 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 believe that they're going to continue looking to these simply pre-store storyboarded uh, movies that are comic books and graphic novels for for content as they compete with, uh, for for viewers. So, um, you know, I think. Yeah, the beautiful things about comic books is a very inexpensive way to create comic books or to create content. So, as Mitch said, it's you know pretty much you have a pre-storyboarded movie or television show or uh, animated feature in your hands. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. I'm 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 excited that some of your material may get picked up. I won't get into asking if you're talking about that stuff now because I know you can't really talk about it if it, if no. uh, negotiations is going on. So uh, I, I figured that some of the stuff, the futurists, of course, I really do believe that that's going to be on the big screen uh, on one day in the in the in the future. How about you, Elizabeth? Are are you creating new content for your uh, company? So right now, I am as far as. The creation process, I'm working on the artwork and art production duties, uh, specifically in the coloring and then managing our talent. So while I may jump in with any ideas I might have in the writer's room, I, I let the professionals who are <laughs> Mitch and, and our uh, team of highly skilled writers kind of do what they're good at. And I, I say where I'm in my lane as uh, but I'm very excited and proud to help shepherd a lot of these projects and, and help find the right talent for them. And well, I've heard you talk over dinner before, some different ideas you got. I can, I can see some stuff coming 
out of out of your noggin too. You're a right, <laughs> articulate woman. There's no doubt about it. By the way, Mitch, uh, for my listeners, why do all superheroes like Batman, Superman, Red Rooster, and the and the ilk, why do they always wear their uh, underwear on the outside of their costume? Oh, you know, Dave, I I haven't figured it out, and I don't know that it's necessarily a pathology with the (laughs) heroes themselves, but maybe with their creators. So I've got some soul-searching to do here. Yeah, we're actually trying to bring that back. I think, you know, they had changed some of the characters' costumes, and people got upset about it. So people seem to like the underwear. Yeah, yeah, people really love the Red Rooster, and so there's definitely something in the American psyche that demands underwear outside of pants and we'll figure it out Dave. it's funny there's actually a controversy going on with mitch's red rooster so he oh, has really costumes, an old costume where he wears striped red or red and white striped pants and then his new costume with red shorts on the outside of the spandex and so there's a team of striped pants and there's a team for the <laughs> for the shorts and they kind of they argue it out on the internet. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So now, is that is it as vicious as Judge Dredd Stallone or Judge Dredd Carl Urban? Uh, not quite yet, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll make it. We'll make it so eventually. Now, I got to tell you what, man. I'm such a Carl Urban fan. I wanted to do another Dredd movie so bad with him because I thought that he really nailed that part big time. He had the darkness yeah. for that part. He was really really good. So what's uh, what's what's the future looking like for you guys? I mean, you've got your nose against the grindstone. Have you gotten a chance to take a break and go anywhere? No, and, uh, no. Uh, no, but maybe we'll we'll hopefully take uh, a vacation before the end of the year. It's been a couple of years since we've actually done that, so we're looking forward to that. We we we're uh, going to sell more comic books. Obviously, we're going to create yeah. some more comic books. We're going to get. Uh, once we get to a point, we'll do collected editions. So graph- we'll bind them into graphic novels cool. and distribute them, hopefully, to, to bookstores and, and much further afield than Walmart. So they'll be even more accessible uh, for people and convenient. Uh, and, yeah, we're just going to, you know, we're going to keep at it. And I might be drawing less. That's kind of the plan in the future uh, as, as the company gets larger and we're mainly in managerial and executive roles so that's a little sad but also okay because it just means um there has to be a conductor for the orchestra dave so i can't you know play the fiddle all the time so am i are you are you telling me that if they start making movies of your comics you're going to show up in them uh no (laughs) not in front of the camera anyway Elizabeth Maybe there'll be a fun Easter egg in there somewhere. We're gonna get yeah. you in there. So. We gotta, gotta, got you. Got to do it, man. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, the man Stan Lee did such great work. <laughs> now you guys are doing great work like he did. I gotta believe that he looks down and goes, "Way to go, Mitch. Good job." Uh, well, I would like to think so. yeah, that, that would be nice. But you know, he, he, he's been an inspiration for us. Yeah, you walk in a uh, you walk in a long and great shadow uh, if you're following in Stan Lee's footsteps at all. And uh, we had the pleasure of meeting him one time, and and uh, you know that was definitely a treasured memory. So, what do you got uh, planned here locally? Anything you're going to do? Any signings in the near future that people should know about? 
Uh, no, we're just going to keep making our books. Uh, so we've 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 got our hands full uh, with uh, with this. So we feel like uh, we're just going to keep making great content that people are absolutely loving, and we're just going to keep at it. It's amazing what you guys have done. It really, really is. I remember when you were on, Mitch, and uh, you were working at that time, or you had just stopped working for Marvel, and some of the problems that were going on uh, in your in your life and in your business life, and those have all been cleared up now, it sounds like, and uh, you guys are moving forward at, at, at warp speed now, and that's fantastic. I just want to uh, you know, give a nod of the hat to you guys and say, good job. Well done. Well, thank, thank, you. thank you, Dave. We really appreciate, you know, all the time you've given us on the air and all the uh, moral support and encouragement along the way. We really do appreciate it. We yep. certainly do. Don't forget where you came from. That's all. That's <laughs> my, that's my last words to you. <laughs> well, hopefully not the last laugh, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. Okay. All right. Well, you guys get back to work. You've been away from the drawing boards too long. You know, get back to work, make money, uh, make your deadline, and we'll talk to you again here uh, down the road in the not-too-distant future. All right? Yeah, sounds great, great, Dave. Thank you very much. All right. Mitch and Elizabeth Breitbart. uh, Breitbart. That's another good friend of mine, former friend, Breitweiser, uh, here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm going to head over to Walmart in uh, Cabot today. And stop by the book, see if any of the Red Rooster material is out there. I'd like to get a get a hold and see what is that or the Futurist. Uh, Mitch was working on the Futurist uh, when I was uh, having him on my show a lot, and uh, he was sharing uh, drawings on uh, Facebook at the time, and they were absolutely fantastic, as all of their work is. Elizabeth's one of the best inkers around. I'm just telling you, she's fantastic. All right, a break. We'll be back. we got more to do here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert and Chris will be with us. We'll turn our legal eyes to what's going on in politics. minutes after seven my thanks uh, to mitch and uh, elizabeth Dreitweiser for joining us today they're really really busy and they got their own little empire that they're building in the comic industry and uh, knowing where mitch has come from and elizabeth has come from pretty amazing to watch uh, the success that they have amassed now uh, to be able to get uh, to where they're at that they have a deal with walmart to uh, publish and or to uh, get their comics out to the public i'm going to run like i said i'm going to run over to walmart later today at cabot see if they got any of the comics over there i got some of the early stuff from red rooster and i had seen the uh, initial drawings but couldn't talk about them about the futurist so it'd be interesting to see what he's done it's been about 
a year, year and a half since Mitch had been able to be on the air because he has seriously had his nose to the grindstone and had to turn, really turn out product, him and Elizabeth both. Uh, Mitch does uh, works with writers to bring these stories uh, to life. Then he does draws the characters. His wife inks them. And they're, they're quite the team, both of them graduates from Harding University. All right, Robert Steinbeck is with us. He's uh, joining us on Friday, as you always do. Uh, Chris is here, too, Corbett. Chris is a, a, a lawyer out in Conway, specializes in engineering law. And then Robert is a lawyer, uh, passed his bar here in uh, Arkansas, but he's a law professor at the Bowen School of Law, and remember that his opinions are his and his alone. Guys, I sent you several stories uh, over the last couple of days. One that really uh, has me concerned is all of this stuff that George Soros is doing, and, and you can follow the money and follow it right back to him, and he is out there backing uh, di- district attorneys, and a good example of a district attorney that he backed is the the one there uh, in St. Louis that went out after this couple. Uh, she did uh, after the couple who displayed their firearms to people who had broke through the gates of their gated community and came flooding in and were uh, there at the end of their property telling them that they were going to kill them and kill their dog and they're going to be out of their house and uh, they would be showering in their in their shower and all of this stuff and uh, the guy showed his AR-15 his wife showed a handgun which by the way wasn't loaded it's been uh, revealed Uh, but uh, the DA now, uh, I'm going to be honest, it's kind of settled down now. She's not saying as much because the, uh, the DA of the state of Missouri has said he's going to drop all charges. And if it had gone to trial, if they had been found guilty, the governor was ready uh, to, to, to rule in their favor and wipe their record clean. These are Soros-based people. We're going to have to be very, very careful watching this stuff, are we not, guys? Absolutely, Dave. You know, she was on television, the prosecutor who charged these two people, and you heard her give her presentation. There was no law there. This was all about politics. And when prosecutors become all about politics is when they become dangerous. And this is an inherent risk that we have in our system because we elect our prosecutors because we want them to be responsible to the people. So that's a good thing. But they, in recognizing that they're elected, they can become political. And that's a bad thing. Well, she moved well into that column uh, between those two poles. And we need to be ever vigilant and thank goodness, as you highlight, the attorney general of the state uh, came out against it, and uh, the governor made comments along the lines of uh, that these two people ultimately would be either have their sentences commuted or they would be pardoned. By the way, theoretically, a governor and a president can pardon someone before there is a trial, before there is a conviction. So I'd like to see that happen if, to be clear, if... There is another situation like this one in which there is a rogue prosecutor. 
Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot more of these rogue uh, prosecutors because these uh, progressively backed groups that are funding these campaigns and the big one being the ones that are backed by uh, uh, progressive liberal uh, billionaire George Soros are now pushing for new practices that could see sharp reductions in prosecutions and in incarcerations. Soros, using the Justice and Public Safety Pack and other groups, has been spending literally millions of dollars on prosecutorial races in recent years, with a number of beneficiaries making headlines since their elections. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Garner, who we're talking about right now, and uh, her uh, attack on Mark and Patricia McCloskey, uh, and what's going on with the McCloskeys, and uh, the Missouri GOP Governor Mike Parson saying that he would consider pardons for the couple of charges are filed. But understand, they still have to go through a legal proceeding, which, uh, you know, bottom line, besmirches your name in the press and costs you a lot of money. Uh, another high-profile prosecutor who's been backed by Soros in the past is uh, Cook County, Illinois, that's in Chicago, State's Attorney Kim Fox. And uh, she was the one that had all that stuff going on with uh, with Jesse Smollett and uh, tried to, to tip the scales for him. This is concerning that we're seeing this stuff now is starting to really play out in the open. Absolutely. It, yeah. Go ahead. That's right. Go so ahead, what do we what do we what do we got to do as right, far Dave. as that, Chris? Yeah. Well, your follow up to that, uh, Kim Fox, when when she. Uh, took her term in office there. Um, it's reported that there's a 13% decline in the guilty pleas and verdicts reached in the felony cases during her term since she took office in 2016. This is the kind of uh, law enforcement and prosecutorial history you're going to get when folks like George Soros gets in there and gets these people elected. The, mo- the two most powerful people in the state or in a county are the prosecutor and the sheriff. The prosecutor can charge the governor, and the sheriff can arrest the governor. So th- these two people can can cause some damage. And that's why I think that the, the liberal left here is targeting these folks so they can arbitrarily enforce the laws. And that's what discourages the rest of the public. When you've got the, the rule of law being arbitrarily enforced, uh, like, for example, folks that are breaking the law out in Portland, Oregon, aren't getting arrested, it discourages the rest of the nation, discourages the rest of the, of the populace. Uh, it's a well, bad trend, Dave. Yeah, we got out in San Francisco, you got uh, District Attorney uh, Chelsea Boudin. She's another beneficiary of Soros Tide contributions. She defended the movement to defund the police, and she said in a discussion with Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts in July that uh, the most effective use of taxpayer dollars is not giving money to the police. Is there some other way we could spend this money that would make us safer and do a better job of achieving the goals that we have? Uh, They asked, she went on to say, that policing and incarceration are tremendously expensive and are failed responses to what we are trying to deal with. Now, do you do you guys? I mean, I have to understand. I understand that there is problems uh, on on sentencing and certain things. However, uh, there are certain people that need to be out of uh, of our uh, 
regular masses. They can't. They they don't play well with people. Absolutely, Dave. Look, the, the truth is that there is some kernel of accuracy in a statement like that. If you are having a sophisticated discussion, and maybe they're seeking to do so, although I'm skeptical. And by that I mean, for example, I support what are known as drug courts. We have them here in Arkansas, not everywhere. But the idea is you have someone who's charged with uh, using drugs and possessing drugs, and the person is addicted to drugs. So instead of just throwing them in jail, we send them to this specialized court, and we say, look, you're going into a treatment program. If you comply, 100%, by the way, there's no half measures here, we will keep you out of jail. And because that, there was a great scene in the movie Serpico, where Serpico arrests a guy, that's the movie about this New York City cop in the 70s during corrupt police time. In any event, a side story is he arrests this guy with drugs, and the guy says, hey man, I'm not a drug dealer, I'm a drug addict. I can't control it, in other words. It doesn't mean you're blameworthy, but it doesn't mean you're out to commit crime for the goal of committing crime. So right. there, are this, there is this intersection of issues, addiction versus criminality. But even if you use those words in today's context, that's not what these uber leftists are talking about. They're talking about lawlessness. And it's, it's downright dangerous. And so, look, if you want to go live in an environment like up there in Portland where they cut out the police... And how many murders did they now have in there? Two, three murders? There's no evidence. There's no nothing. Because the cops aren't allowed in. That's, then have at it. But if you want to live in the real world, well, we need cops. And one final brief story, a friend of me and Chris, yeah, me and Chris, um, got a traffic ticket recently. No big deal. Well, he's a law-abiding citizen who respects the Second Amendment. He had his gun in a holster, in a glove box. And when he was pulled over, he said to the police officer, I just want to let you know that I have my gun in the glove box. And the cop said, thank you. You're not required to tell me that, but I appreciate that. May I go take it during this uh, um, interaction, and I'll put Uh it back when I'm done. And the the fellow said, absolutely. And what does that show you? That shows you that here's a cop interacting with a citizen, both of them being respectful to each other, both of them recognizing the individual's own right to self-defense, and everything coming out in the end okay. By the way, he got a ticket. It's not like the guy uh, didn't give him a ticket. The guy gave him a ticket. All right. You know, he's not, my friend's not happy about it, but he understands it. Uh, And so the point is, that if we vilify cops, uh, we don't recognize legitimate police interactions like the one that I just described. All right. Got to get our first break in. Let's do that. Chris Corbett is here. Robert Steinbach is here. We'll take your questions as well. 823-0965. When we come back, Chris, I want to talk to you about what went up there in Conway. They posted a video 
here of a, yes. a stop that resulted in a man's death. I'd like you to talk a little bit about it. Some people say it reminds them of George Floyd. I watched that video, and it has nothing to do with George Floyd as far as I'm concerned. 19 minutes after 7 on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's uh, remember PI Roofing. They're coming out to my house today. Uh, they're going to be out to fix the place on my roof where uh, the uh, antenna for my uh, direct TV was at. Uh, DirecTV came out the other day, put a new bracket up, moved the antenna, so my my uh, shows are all on there. I lost ESPN for several days. I, I went crazy. And uh, they're going to come out and do the job of taking out some really bad wood and some uh, shingles there and, and patching it up and doing a great job, and I'm looking forward to it. They've done a great job as uh already in that they knew there was a possibility of rain so they came out and put this uh, stuff on my roof that would keep the water out of my house if it rained before they could complete the repairs that's what you can get from pi roofing give them a call at uh, uh, 707-3551 707-3551 or just visit them online at piroofing.com all right, 23 after 7 on a Friday, and uh, we've got a beautiful day going on right now in the mid-70s and going to get up into the high 80s, low 90s, looking at some rain. Um, my forecast says we could see uh, later on today as much as an inch and a half of rain from some uh, heavy thunderstorms that may move through the area, but said that some of that last night and nothing ever materialized. The, the air has been... Uh, really calm uh, in the in these uh, fronts. Uh, something that's been on uh, Facebook over the last few days and in the news is out in Conway. Uh, they had uh, a guy that was robbing a store there, a one of those uh, overnight uh, places. I would never work in one of them, by the way. And uh, pulled a knife, and the police had responded. And uh, they had to wrestle with this guy, get him down, get him under control. And uh, on the way to the, to the hospital, because he, he had some injuries from being tossed to the floor, uh, he died. And so, uh, you know, Chris, some, some people immediately jumped on uh, the Facebook and said, Oh, George Floyd right here in, in Arkansas. Well, I watched that video. It's available to be watched. And it's nowhere close to George Floyd. Do you agree? No, nowhere close to it. Um, I think the I think from what I saw from the video, Dave, the, the officers did a fantastic job. The guy was armed with a knife. Um, they used minimal force in controlling him. He had uh, busted open a I don't know some stuff in the store. Somebody called the police, and he was suspected of shoplifting. And he was standing there calmly, and then um, he chose to try to run off. So the officers caught him before he left the store and held him down. And unfortunately, the guy was on drugs and methamphetamines and morphine. And if you get in that excited state, it's not good for your health. And um, he died later. But there was, in my mind, no excessive force or um, anything nefarious going on with the police. Uh, They actually did a fantastic job um, in um, trying to control the subject. And it's unfortunate what happened. Well, I, I ask the people who see somebody who acts like this, what are the police supposed to do? Are they supposed to right, say, right. Uh, okay, this is cool, go home, sleep it off, 
and let them leave? Is that what you're supposed to do? Or, or this guy was, as you said, he had a knife. He banned it. He brought it out. Uh, he destroyed yeah. some property. Uh, you know, oh, I'm just saying. The place, Dave. Yeah. yeah, they 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 could see what he was doing. You can't allow that kind of that guy kind of you know BS to happen. You've got to stop no, it. No, no. He he could have he could have calmly sat there like I advise clients to do. Don't say anything. Um, he hadn't actually uh, walked out of the store with anything. There's, um, but he had opened. I think he had eaten some catfish and he'd opened some opened up a package or something like a, a little drone or something. It was in a Harps grocery store, and um, uh, so he could have just uh, kept his mouth shut, gone calmly. But he chose to run, and that's when the, the chase ensued throughout the store. And the guy was armed, um, and um, they, they, the, the officers, the two officers on site, they, they chose to, you know, gain control of the knife and, without deadly force. Well, the guy's lucky he didn't get shot. Yeah, I, absolutely. And and um, it's um, the officers need to be. Um, uh, commended and how they reacted to this, or especially when someone's armed like that. I mean, one, it's just a fight. It's so fast. He could have um, really hurt one of those officers with that knife uh, badly. Um, and um, the officers um, you know, took the high road and, and, and tried to subdue him, which they did, and ended up um, having you know drugs in his body. And those don't react well with a, with a fight and your heart rate yep. and your breathing and all that. So. Yep. It's, an un, it's unfortunate, but it's no way uh, a comparison to what happened with George Floyd. They did not put a, a knee on his neck for nine minutes. No. Um, they, they got one police officer for about two minutes, I think, because he kept trying to get up. And uh, he put right, his right. foot on the small uh, of the man's back, and they had an officer right, right at his head talking to him. And people yeah. may mention on there, well, why didn't they just take him to the patrol car? Because he wasn't under control. That's right. Until they get That's him right. completely. Un- just because you got him down doesn't mean that you got him under control and you can lift him up and, and get him to go to the, uh, the car. I That's mean, right. you may have lifted well, him up and- on his feet and he start fighting with you again. That's right, Dave. And, and, well, and, and take that fact. What you just said right there, it has to be put in context, okay? He just... Was they were just had him there in custody, and he took off running. So yeah, you know, what if, and he was armed. They didn't know he was armed at the time, right? Um, it's a it's a any any interaction by police officers can turn into something deadly in a few seconds. Yeah. And I, my heart you know, goes out to both the, vic- the victim here and the you know, per- alleged criminal uh, and the officers. It's just a. Yeah. It's a I agree. All right, let's take a, let's take our second break here. It's time for us to make room for El Rushvo. He's coming up, and then uh, we'll continue talking here when we get back. I mean, we have to decide as a uh, a community, as a culture, what do we expect from our law enforcement? Their their job is inherently dangerous, and at times vicious. We'll talk about it further when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You're listening to 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's hear from Rush Limbaugh. All right, back with you. And uh, Robert Steinbach just got schooled about uh, uh, WWE and WWF. Probably knows more about wrestling now than he ever wanted to know. 
And I was just talking, just talking to Chris about uh, uh, Chris Helmsworth is playing uh, the the Hulk in this new uh, movie that's coming up, and uh, I'm I'm sending it to you right now, Chris. You're, you're not going to believe this. Send it to I'm me. Send, send it to me. I'm, I'm sending Thanks, I'm sending it to too. I'm sending it also to uh, uh, to Steinbach because you know you you got to get with culture a little bit here, Steinbach. I get all the culture I need, Dave, from my yogurt. <laughs> from your yogurt. I gotta tell you, yeah, listeners, Dave, it's right on the label, it. culture yogurt. Well, what can I say? I mean, I'm just saying this. The, the, you won't believe, uh, Chris, how much he looks like uh, uh, the Hulkster. Nor will you believe how how much uh, that Evans looks like. Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage. That was. Yeah. It's just incredible. It'll be just great. Just incredible. Well, I got. I got to tell your listeners, Dave. Um, uh, folks, I asked Dave, DC Comics or Marvel Comics, and Dave gave me the typical lawyer answer. Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it depends on whether it was. If we're talking 40s, 50s, 60s, or we're talking 70s, 80s, 90s. <laughs> You know, that's right. There you go. You know, oh, Marvel changed. There, Marvel right? changed uh, in the seventies, yeah. and their big change came yeah. in Spider-Man. But uh, I was always a uh, a big uh, Fantastic Four fan because I liked Silver Surfer and stuff, and Galactica yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they've never been able to do a Fantastic Four movie that suits me. Speaking yeah, of Chris Evans, Chris Evans was in the first one of those. He played, oh, the, he, he, played the, he, he played the flame, you know. Thought. Light me up, you know. He oh yeah, that also. And it was great stuff. He's been a, he's done a lot in the comic book realm. All right, let's move back and talk serious stuff. I hate to have to do that, because <laughs> it is Friday. <laughs> but uh, we are going it's to Friday. Talk some, it's a wonderful day. Yeah, yeah. Talk about some more serious stuff. Let me. Uh, get to it for us again because i i sent you guys a bunch of of uh, stories that we we needed to to look at let's talk a little bit about the mayor of uh, chicago who went on national television and said the reason that they're having so many gun deaths in uh, chicago especially over on the southwest side is because of the states that are around them, you can buy guns so easily. Of course, she just totally, she totally ignored all the factual information that when you arrest criminals, only about 7% of them buy their guns legally. And then there was a huge story, and I sent it to you guys. Let me just read this first couple of uh, paragraphs. Federal agents made a major breakthrough in tackling the gang-related drug and gun trafficking operations in Chicago. They arrested 23 individuals on Tuesday, included the reputed head of the Chicago Black Disciples Gang. Man, I thought they were in history. I didn't know they were still around. In connection with an alleged criminal enterprise that authorities say, and I'm I'm, going to bring this out, heavily impacted the crime rates on the city's south side. Wow, gangs are out running guns. What a big surprise, huh? Dave, it's even more ridiculous than that, if it's even possible. And that is, this is a common claim by the lefties. 
we say, well, New York City has the stri- strictest gun laws in the, in the country. San Francisco has amongst the strictest uh, gun laws in the country as well, albeit uh, they have less crime. D.C. had, I think, the strictest until Heller, uh, huge amounts of murder. Chicago, strictest gun laws in the country, high murder rate. So the point being brought out there is gun control laws obviously don't decrease murder. Don't decrease violent crime. And now, I think the opposite uh, is a little bit more difficult to claim definitively. That is that the presence of these gun laws makes it more dangerous. That's, I, I think that's a theoretical possibility, but this is not sufficient to prove it. So the left says, well, no, you see, the reason... Those cities have high crime rates with guns is because the surrounding areas have make it easy to get guns. And so that's where the bad guys in the cities get guns. But the response then, which is never addressed from the left, is, well, then why don't those surrounding cities have such high crime rates? Because it's easier to get a gun there and live there than it is to come from, say, Chicago to that surrounding area, get a gun, and go back to Chicago. So it should be equal or higher rates of crime in those surrounding neighborhoods. And, of course, that's well, not the case. So you know, the bottom line, uh, these, gang, yeah. these gang members have, have uh, criminal records that are, as long as they're armed, they can't get a gun legally. Right. But the, 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 the broader point, I think, is, of course, it's all done criminally. But the broader point is the claim by the left that strict gun laws make you safer is demonstrably oh, yeah. disproved. Demonstrably. Yeah. And so I'll I'm just you. so tired of the left using half information to make their claims. How about next Friday? I'll try to get John Lott on with us and we all can talk to him. I'd love to. He's a genius. I mean, he's got he's got all the facts and figures that people are going to want to use. Although, as I tell everybody, the left doesn't care about facts and figures. They only care about their emotional argument. That's right. John Lott, for your audience to remind them, of course, Dave, is the foremost expert on gun laws and their impact on society. The number one expert in the world. Yep. Yep. He's uh, he's he's the guy to have on. I've had him on before. He, 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 he's not the most, how do we put this on, exciting speaker, but we, he talks like a mathematician. So mm-hmm. we'll get him on, and uh, you guys can ask him some questions so that uh, uh, he can punch holes in uh, the left. We'll let you guys pretend like you're leftists, and you can ask him all the questions that he laughs at. I mean, he laughs at them that sounds, because they're so stupid. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It's sounds amazing. Great, the guy's you know, really the, the, great. Reason, the reason behind that uptick in the uh, arrest is because Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, authorized the um, uh, federal agents, the FBI and the ATF and DEA, to go in there with the Chicago police and, and get these criminals. Yeah, he sent in the FBI, the ATF, and the DEA to work with Chicago right. police and stem the tide of gun violence in the city as part of Operation Legend, a national anti-crime effort. Tuesday's bus is not directly associated with the new operation, but is likely to have a dramatic impact on the task force's efforts. So what did they get 
when they busted these guys. Well, let's see. Authorities uh, seized uh, more than 24 firearms, and we're not talking just semi-automatic uh, handguns. We're talking fully automatic AK-47s and stuff. Uh, more than a kilogram of heroin, about 1,350 grams of heroin laced with fentanyl, some 750 grams of fentanyl or fentanyl analog, around 378 grams of crack cocaine, $52,595 in suspected illicit cash proceeds and distribution quantities of suspected MDMA pills. Uh, that reported by uh, CNN. And uh, they had just busted a big uh, cocaine operation not more than a couple of weeks before at a warehouse right. on the Chicago South Side, and that yielded more than 30 kilos of cocaine alone. You want to know why there's crime in the south side of Chicago? I just told you. That's right, Dave. There's also, I just you can told also you. say there may be a correlation between the economy being bad up there and this COVID outbreak. But there's no excuse for not arresting people with, with illegal guns. And, and Rob made a fantastic point. More gun laws? Is that going to prevent the criminals from getting guns? No, it just affects the law-abiding of citizens. I mean, they're, there's they're, a very, go ahead. Dave, go ahead. There, there's a very important point on that because people say, well, we have laws against murder. We've got laws against car theft, just random examples. And people don't complain that those laws uh, only deal with the criminals. Uh, I mean, it will not affect criminals because criminals break the law. And that is, again, one of these misplaced arguments made by the left that fails to take into account reality. That is, Unlike murder, unlike car theft, there's no minimum level of that behavior that is good. There is a minimum level of gun ownership that is good. We are safer off when law-abiding citizens own guns. I described to you earlier in the show how a friend of Chris and me uh, owns a gun, and he followed the law, and he interacted with police, and everything went Perfectly. It's a good thing when law-abiding citizens have guns. So if you create draconian laws regarding gun ownership, you will dramatically decrease gun ownership by the law-abiding citizens, but not dramatically decrease gun ownership by lawbreakers. Maybe a little bit. I'm not saying not zero, that it's zero, but not a lot. So the scales, the balance that comes out as a result of that process is you've taken away a bunch of guns from good people, and maybe you've taken away a handful from bad people, and the outcome is now bad people have more guns than good people. That's uh -huh. dangerous. That's yep. the difference. Yeah, just ask people in New York and in Chicago and Gary, Indiana, and Washington, D.C., and I can go down a list. Let's talk about Seattle when we come back. We got a break 13 minutes before 8. Chris Corbett is with us along with Robert Steinbach. We're talking uh, the main topics of uh, the uh, the day. We haven't gotten to mail-in ballots yet. We will get to that a little later on here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, $287,619. That would do you some good, wouldn't it, in your retirement? 
Now, that's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes with their IRA and 401Ks thanks to the tax planning strategy from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. Learn exactly how and how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. If you save more than a quarter of a million dollars, 250000 be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis right now at 501-222-3315. Do you have an IRA or 401k? Then you need to make sure you understand the taxes and how they can punish you uh, in the future. And you need to find out how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment and Advisor. Okay, so let's go back now uh, to the story I wanted to bring for you guys. Uh, This dealing uh, with... Uh, a story I sent to you about Seattle. Uh, we keep hearing that in Seattle, uh, you know, there's no, there's nothing really going on up there. It's a myth. The Democrats keep saying how they've been gaslighting this whole thing. But in, in Seattle, uh, I got this article. I sent it to you guys uh, the other day. Uh, it says, Seattle police revealed Wednesday that they had seized a van containing explosives at a weekend protest that had been organized in solidarity with demonstrations in Portland, Oregon. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best said the department is launching an investigation following the discovery of the weapons in a van at the July 25th protest. Best explained uh, that a group of protesters headed to the Youth Service Center over the weekend and tossed incendiary devices, Molotov cocktails, into a construction site, destroying several trailers. And then they, uh, they're they also known that they, they had a lot of other things as far as guns and ammo, uh, magazines, and everything else. Uh, bottom line, these are things that military units do, where you... If you know you're going to do something in a certain area, you make sure that you have the necessary supplies you need to make it happen and and work out uh, smoothly. I mean, we know about in Dallas where they found bricks. They know about New York where they found baseball bats. All right, Get Around Jim is on the line with us right now. He wants to join in the discussion. What's up, Get Around? I just doing steady putting it in the ground, my friend. But uh, I listened uh, yesterday to our our, our noble uh, person uh, down in Florida. Uh, he was talking about the judge in the Flynn case got shut down on his brief request and what have you of, that he was soliciting by the appeals court three-member panel shut him down, so now he's turned around with no standing and has requested all seven of these people review their 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 appeal to shut him down, and I'm like, if he doesn't have any standing, who the heck does that can put this man off, you know, and make him stop what he's doing? He's just really wasting taxpayers' money. Okay, let me let you go, and I'll, I know what you're talking about. Let me turn that over to 
to uh, Chris and to to Robert. Robert, he's talking about the the, the judge in the in the Flynn case. Is what I uh, figure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> judge, uh, the down? judge in the Flynn case uh, basically said that the government couldn't withdraw its charges against Flynn. <clears throat> that was an incorrect ruling. The uh, Flynn's attorney. A uh, very capable attorney, a woman attorney whose name I forget at the moment, uh, appealed that to the Court of Appeals. That's an intermediate court. And the way that court works is you go before three judges and they give you a decision. And sure enough, right. they said, yeah, the trial judge was all wet and told the trial judge to dismiss the case. Now, what any party in a case can do is if they don't like the decision of the three judges, there's, it varies, but say there's a dozen or so judges on the overall court, you can say, I want you to meet as a group of all dozen. It can be as many as double that indeed. But I want you to meet as a group and see if the three judges got it right. It's not, you're not entitled to it. You can just make the request. Well, the litigant in this case is the lower court judge, essentially, because the uh, Flynn's attorney used a, a, a process that makes the judge the litigant. It's complicated and it's not important. <clears throat> so the judge now asked for the case to be heard by the whole panel, excuse me, right. by the whole court. Uh, he's not going to win. He's going to lose it as well. And that's... <laughs> It's the end of it, right? So the process is working fine. The trial judge in the Flynn case went off the rails. In other words, so we could disagree how a law should be interpreted, but sometimes it's just make-believe. Sometimes it's just fantasy land. And the way the judge in the Flynn case acted was fantasy land. It wasn't a reasonable decision. The appellate court put him in his place. He wants a second bite at the apple. Have at it. He'll get two bites that tell him he's wrong instead of one. Okay. All right. I'm just just wanting to make sure that, you know, it just seems this guy just keeps dragging it out further and further. He just wants to keep it in the news. Agreed. Agreed. And the process allows for that. And so be it. Oh, by the way, the the whole court, all dozen or so judges can say, we don't want to hear it. And then it's over then as a consequence. Yeah, be interesting. This guy and his wife both uh, were uh, put into to their positions by the Obama administration, if you're wondering. So just thought mm-hmm. everybody would like to know about that. All right. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that Seattle thing, because this tells me this stuff is much more uh, serious than just, you know, your your local yoker, local uh, weekend rioter. All right. When. When you've got people feeding you uh, weaponry uh, on uh, the site of a, a riot that's going to happen, uh, you've got uh, an insurrection going on. And I'd like to talk to you about that. And then after that, the, the, the president freaked everybody out yesterday when he said maybe we need to put the election back because of this whole thing about mail-in ballots. And I'd like us to talk about that as well, because he really does have a point here. I I believe that the election goes off on the 3rd of November, but I'm not one of those believers in mail-in ballots. And I've had several people from other areas of the country email me and say, Dave, we've done it forever. Yeah, but you don't do it the way that they're talking about how they want to set it up. That's the key. We'll talk about all of that 
When we return, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, 6 o'clock on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, Chris uh, Corbett's with me. Of course, Robert Steinbach is here with us. Robert is a legal professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Uh, Chris is a lawyer in Conway. Uh, he uh, is a, a lawyer that can do a lot as far as uh, uh, things go with uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Engineers. So you want uh, engineering. So he's got a specialty in that. His opinions are his and his alone as well. So let's get to uh, some other topics that I have for you guys. Uh, Chris, I want you to talk about this thing about the Seattle police uh, revealing that they have seized a van containing explosives at a weekend protest that had been organized in solidarity with demonstrations in Portland, Oregon, the Seattle police chief, Carmen Best, said the department is launching an investigation because of the weapons in the van uh, on July 25th. He explained that a group of protesters, now here's my thing, I don't think they're protesters, uh, headed to the youth service center over the weekend and tossed Molotov cocktails and other incendiary devices into a construction site destroying several uh, trailers. The group moved on to the East Precinct. A van reportedly followed them, and people were spotted removing items and distributing them to people within the group. So my question is, when does this move from being, quote, a riot, people acting you know, outside the law, uh, and move into an insurrection, people who are actually trying to topple the law. How do we make those distinctions? You want to take a shot at that? I've got it. I've got it, Dave. I've got it. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I took the blue pill. Here's the solution, okay? (laughs) This is the solution. Yeah. Uh, Fireworks are innately dangerous, okay? Liquor is innately dangerous. We're going to have to create a whole government regime to license these products. And in order for the public to buy them, you have to you have to have a fifty dollar license, and those folks that sell fireworks and sell you know liquor that can potentially turned into a Molotov cocktail, we must keep lists of those people that buy these things, okay? And they have the right to come in. The government will have the right to come in and inspect these books at any point, at any time when they need to. And then this way, with more government regulation and government control, we can control these lawbreakers. In preventing right. them from 
Chris, Chris, you better tell the audience that you're being sarcastic, lest someone (laughs) thinks otherwise. I am. No, it's real simple, Dave. It's real simple. Uh, They're criminals. Ted Cruz has been spouting it on Fox News for for weeks now. When you want to have a protest, you have to do so peacefully. As soon as you pick up a rock and throw it, that's assault and battery, especially if it doesn't hit a cop, it's assault, right? If you right. break the law, you are then a criminal. This is black and white. As much as lawyers like gray areas, this is black and white. He needs to be arrested. He gets his day in court. You're no longer a protester. You become yeah, think, a criminal. It's just think about it. Think about this. this uh, the police chief talking about... Uh, Inside this thing, they had also baseball bats, pyrotechnical explosives, APR respirators, improvised shields, face masks, firearms. They said that uh, the the van had had been backed up towards the uh, East Precinct wall, and uh, moments later, uh, an explosion blew an eight-inch hole. Okay, now this the fun and games are over. When you start blowing eight-inch holes in walls, concrete walls, yeah, uh, in precincts, yeah. it's time that people get yeah. arrested and people go to jail for a long time. Yeah, you know, at that point, Dave, at that point, what you are is a terrorist. And, and these officers and police and attorneys and the executive branch, you're, you take an oath to defend the nation for a foreign and domestic terrorists and now they've, they've become uh, domestic terrorists at that point they're tearing down the very fabric that our country exists on the rule of law we've got to have law and order it is so simple uh option that these that these prosecutors and these mayors have played on the public and getting elected is atrocious they've they've said oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna help you out but in fact they're doing just the opposite it's a lie and um, they're promoting this stuff by not by, by 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 omission. They are promoting this lawless activity by not acting. Yeah, and that's the problem I have with it, Dave. Okay, Robert uh, Chief Best reminded reporters that since this stuff has been going on in Seattle, fifty-nine officers have been injured as a result of the violent riots, and added that the evidence demonstrates that quote not everyone that comes to these protests is peaceful. Boy, is that an understatement. Uh, Democrats, including former Vice President Joe Biden, have defended the demonstrations in Portland and Seattle and nationwide as peaceful protests, though some of them now are beginning to walk that back. Uh, this week, Biden clarified, air, air quotes here, guy, uh, on uh, Tuesday saying peaceful protesters should be protected arsonists and anarchists should be prosecuted uh i think he's a little late to the party what say you robert they were questioning as you saw the other day attorney general Barr. oh can you send tear gas or pepper spray into a crowd of peaceful people and Barr kept saying they weren't crowds of peaceful people well weren't there some people who were peaceful well of course there were and there were a lot of people who were dangerous, maybe more peaceful than dangerous. But the pepper spray, et cetera, would, was directed towards those breaking the law. Does it waft over? I'm sure it does. 
Uh, absolutely. And that's a risk that a peaceful protester takes if he's in the midst of a riot. And yep. we, we have no other method for handling such behavior. So if you don't want to get caught in that, you can protest in a different location. If you see rioters, you go up to the police and say, I'm going to go to a different location. Uh, so do the rioters get to trump the First Amendment rights of the peaceful protesters? No, but they, the peaceful protesters have to understand that the reverse isn't the case, too. The presence of a peaceful protest doesn't mean that people are allowed to commit crimes in the face of the police, no less. That's the balance we must strike. Well, here's what the, the, the chief said. She said, quote, peaceful protesters do not show up with a van full of bear spray, which, by the way, can only be used on bears. You use it on anybody else. It's a federal offense. Stun guns, spike strips and explosives. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I think they got to go after these people as insurrectionists, uh, insurrectionists. Uh, people they're trying to bring down the the governor uh, government in seattle and in uh, the city of portland it's a mess dave and i hear a lot of good people speaking about the need to enforce the law doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative it matters if you're a far leftist because they're anarchists but if you're a liberal or conservative you don't want to get robbed. You don't want to get attacked. You don't want to get hit by a Molotov cocktail. A friend of mine by the name of David Otto has a very nice podcast called The Trial Brief. I recommend it, in fact, The Trial Brief. And he talks about a lot of important law enforcement issues from different perspectives as well. My point being is this is not a left or right issue. It's a right or wrong issue, Dave. Yeah, and I agree with that, and it amazes me of how people can't get around that. I mean, we've become so polarized that uh, the people on the left look and say, they're just protesting. No, they're not, and you know that they're not. That's right. I mean, they're gaslighting. I mean, look at, look at uh, what's his name, uh, the guy on the... Uh, uh, the House uh, Judiciary Committee, uh, the little uh, Pillsbury boy that's uh, on there, uh, Jerry something. What, what's his name? Oh, Nadler. Yeah, Nadler, who said that the whole concept of Antifa is a myth. Now, yeah. is, is he is he on LSD or something? Yes. Right. This is what I I never understand. <clears throat> Why politicians are unwilling to recognize reality when it stares them in the face. Meaning, why doesn't he make a different argument? I don't think an ultimately successful argument, but at least not an hysterically wrong argument. Why, is it, why doesn't he say, I recognize that there is a criminal element out there, but I also recognize that there are peaceful protesters, and I, this is me saying what Jerry Nadler could at best argue, not what I believe, uh, and I think that the police haven't gotten the balance right. That's an argument he could make, even though he would ultimately be wrong. But the argument he makes is the equivalent of saying the moon's made out of cheese. Well, I'm not going to get into a debate with a tinfoil hat-wearing, um, <clears throat> cheese-moon-believing uh, crackpot. That's not a real argument. 
Yeah, it's it's just really this is just really really uh, discomforting to me that people that mayors and governors in states and in cities are allowing this stuff to happen and are giving cover to these people uh, in the media. All right, a break, and then uh, we'll come back. Let's talk about mail-in voting pros and cons. And some states uh, have been doing it for years, like up in Washington State. But I think that what they do is not what we're hearing from the Democratic Party at this time about mail-in votes uh, for the uh, November election. 16 minutes after uh, our our, uh, hour, and we'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Another segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's move into a really hot topic right now, guys, and that's uh, mail-in voting. Uh, There's five states that do mail-in voting right now. Let me see if I can give them all to you. It's Colorado, Washington State, Hawaii, Utah, and there's one more state, and I can't remember who that state did i say washington state i didn't washington state is the is the the other so you've got five states that are doing it uh right now when i look at what they do it looks to me similar to absentee voting you've already registered you've registered to vote uh it has you you've been able to be cleared to vote they have your signature on file, so they can uh, uh, show your signature on your ballot to the signature that you signed when you registered, and uh, you get a ballot sent directly to where you are living at. Now, I can probably go along with that a little bit just because, you know, maybe I decide this year that I'll vote absentee. I don't want to go to the polling place. Or whatever. Now, that's not going to happen. I like going to the polling place and vote, and they're going to have disposable uh, things that you touch the screen with and all kinds of stuff, and I don't think you have to worry about anything. But just sending ballots out where you call and you say, hey, I want to vote, and uh, you're not on anybody's uh, registration list or anything, I think you're asking for all kinds of fraud. What say you guys? Well, I'm 100% with you, you, Dave. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I just the mail-in ballots are are um, a ripe area for fraud. I mean, we fight we fight voter fraud all the time, and um, we've seen it in um, past elections with this outfit that was federally funded called Acorn. They're out signing up people and um, getting them to vote. They're even you know driving felons to voting places. Um, and having them vote twice, and um, it's outrageous. And now if there's the ability to commit a deception or a fraud on the American public via a mail-in ballot with not being able to track that person that voted, I mean, I just, it's out. You really got to be careful with it. Yeah. I'll give you a rundown yeah. on why I don't like it. First, the ballot is cast outside of the public. And for me, that's always dangerous because you're not sure who is casting the ballot. Did did somebody get a ballot who's dead? And so another family member takes that ballot, fills it out, and sends it in? Well, they just negated my vote. 
if they voted uh, differently than I did. I think that that's ripe for uh, corruption there. Uh, you know, I know, everybody who knows anything about elections knows that the voter registration rolls are notoriously inaccurate. They don't keep up with them. They don't, they don't clear the people of uh, uh, voters that are on the rolls that are deceased, whether they moved or otherwise have become ineligible. I'm not, I'm not for it because of that as well. And then there is a, uh, according to MIT election data, quote, even many scholars who argue that fraud is genera- uh, gen- generally rare agree that fraud with voting by mail, and this goes to your point, Chris, seems to be more frequent than with in-person voting. So uh, I rest my case there. And we're only, we're less than 100 days out from the election. I don't think you can expect the, uh, the states to be able to, uh, you know, cellophane tape something together for uh, the election coming up on November 3rd. I mean, you're asking them to do a lot, a lot more than what they do uh, do at this time. And if you talk like we have to John Thurston, uh, the amount of workers uh, the uh, people who volunteer has fallen because of COVID-19. So I rest my case. What do you think, Robert? Good case? Bad case? Well, I think the argument that anytime you introduce another method of voting uh, that detaches the voter from the direct in, uh, interaction with the vote recipient meaning normal voting process, you introduce the possibility of fraud. That's a fact. And, of course, Bill Barr made that point in the hearing. Does it mean that every vote cast that way is fraudulent? Of course not. Does it mean that you can't have any system of absentee balloting? Of course not. But the notion that the more widely you employ such a method, the more likely you are going to confront fraud should be self-evident. Do you guys right. think that? Do right. you, That's right. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. You had something well, you wanted to say. And, and let's back up and, and let's look at it. Let's look at what what is a mail in ballot. Do we we already we, those exist, right? But we call yeah. them an absentee ballot. Correct. You're out of the country. You're in the military. You're overseas. You want to vote. You're not physically present, so you get an absentee ballot, which you mail in, and those are treated a little differently, from what I understand. They're they're scrutinized. They're only mailed to registered voters. That's correct. Um, I don't think we could. Yeah, I don't think we could keep up that kind of scrutiny for all mail-in ballots. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Thurston is uh, concerned about the upcoming November third election because typically, in a normal election, uh, anywhere between two and four percent of the people vote by absentee. They're expecting somewhere yeah. around fourteen percent. Two to four percent is about forty-two thousand voters. Extrapolate that number out. Uh, that's a huge amount of counting that's going to have to be done. Well, Dave, you you go to the point that's very important. Could fraudulent mail-in ballots swing an election? And the answer to that is yes. Oh yeah, the amount that may be used, right? Uh, you only have to, like, get into Pennsylvania or into Florida where just a few thousand votes made the difference. 
right. not only in a presidential election, but in a gubernatorial election. I think that came down to just several hundred ballots. Uh, yeah, right. it's it's I'm just saying we got to be very, very, very careful. I, I, sound, I know I'm I'm sounding like Elmer Fudd there, but, you know, we got to be very, very careful about this whole thing. And uh, the right to vote is such a, a great right that we have in this country. The last thing I want is somebody canceling out my vote that is, uh, you know, out there voting fraudulently. I, I don't want to see that happen. All right, we got another break coming up, and then we're going to get back together and continue uh, taking on the topics of the day with Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. We've got a half hour left. Uh, let's talk about, uh, well, Tyler Perry got himself into some trouble here the other day. I don't know. You guys familiar with the story that he actually... Yeah. But yeah, well, I won't say too much then. You, you're you're aware of it, Chris. It's it's a great uh, story in that he's against defunding the police. He actually said, right. "I think we need more police." Oh my God! Yeah, those, the cancel culture is after him. That's for sure. He's got to. He better watch his back. But first, uh, we got to get to the news that's coming up, and then uh, we'll find out what's happening in the world and. By the way, this is a recorded segment that we do early in the morning, and it's playing now during the 6 o'clock hour. So as far as I know, the world has not ended, and uh, you're sitting and listening uh, to the show. So stay tuned. News is coming on your way with SRN News here on 101.1 FM. We continue to discuss the uh, issues of the day with Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the university or the school law. And then Chris Corbett, who is a, a practicing attorney here in uh, uh, Arkansas, lives in, in Conway and specializes in engineering. So, guys, let's move on to how I've said that the cancel culture will try to eat their own before it's all over with. And uh, that's that's occurring now, uh, and in this case, with uh, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry expressed his concerns over the so-called defund police protest around the country. Perry indicated, and he did this on CNN, by the way, indicated he was worried the message was being hijacked for the sake of politics. No. In the wake of uh, George Floyd's death while in custody of Minnesota's police, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So when they saw George Floyd's death, this horrific, horrible death played out as this man pleaded for his life and begged and said, please, many, many times that seeing it changes everything, said uh, Perry. So I became very, very optimistic uh, when everybody galvanized together because I know that's when change does come. When people galvanize and come together as one, that's when change happens. But lately, I've been very, very concerned that the message has been hijacked by some other groups or political ads and parties that are trying to stop the message of what we're asking for here as police reform. Right, Perry continued. So, yeah, I was, but I'm worried now because of what I'm seeing. I don't like the idea of defunding the police. All right, so there you have it. He says, police reform, yes. Defund, no. And the left has struck back <laughs> at him like a rattlesnake. 
Well, so, uh, go ahead, Chris. This is pretty pretty simple, Dave. Uh, Mr. Perry, Tyler, Tyler Perry, has huge real estate holdings, and he in no shape or form wants the the police defunded. He's got a three hundred acre, uh, from what I understand, uh, studio down in Southwest Atlanta. Uh, If the protesters want to go by there and protest what he's got to say, I'm sure Mr. Perry's going to want the police there, unless he's going to hire his own private security, a private army, to protect his billion-dollar investment down in southwest Atlanta. Uh, He's got it. He understands. He's got assets. He owns something of value. He's creating jobs. Um, He would be the left's worst nightmare because he puts out some pretty – um, liberal shows out there promoting some um, uh, lifestyles that the majority of the public don't don't agree with. But um, he's got he's got real estate holdings that could be damaged and burned and Molotov cocktails thrown against. So that's the last thing he's going to want to see is the police what, defunded. What do you take, Robert? I think the better question is what would Medea say? <laughs> Now, child, <laughs> I could hear that. But yeah, I mean, seriously, this is you know a person like uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, he carries some weight in the black community because sure he, does. Uh, he, he he does not run away from being an African American, and he has done a lot in the African American uh, community. So, uh, you know, is, is this the kind of shot that gets shot over the bow of? The cancel culture, and they've got to understand that they have got to pull back on on what they're doing, Robert? Well, you'll hear a lot of law-abiding citizens who live in the black community, black law-abiding citizens, who say that this notion of decreasing police presence is dangerous, and they're afraid of it because they know what the alternative will be. It will be an increase in the amount of crime, right? These are directly related, and they want Law enforcement that doesn't mean they think, nor does it mean that I think <clears throat> that law enforcement can't be improved. But they know that if you remove the police, you increase lawlessness, and that's dangerous to those that obey, obey the law. Yeah, I'm looking at what Tyler Perry says. He says Anderson. He was on Anderson Cooper's show, where there is wrong, I'm going to stand up against it. When uh, Rashard Brooks was murdered, I thought that was wrong. When George George Floyd was murdered, I thought that was wrong, like so many other people. But when a p- police officer who was white in a suburb in Atlanta was shot in the head by a shoplifter, I thought that was wrong. That's wrong, too. And I reached out to do what I can to help his family as well. He also went on to say that, you know, hey, look, where my studio is is not in a great area. So I want more police there not less police. That's right. Point. Pretty right. clear. That's the point. Real I give clear. the man that I'm, I'm, I give the man credit. He speaks with honesty uh, as far as that's concerned, and and we need more of that uh, in uh, uh, our discussions going on uh, right now. So uh, I don't have I seeing what I got left here. But let's you know, let they, me, he could go ahead. He could easily just pack up. He's got he's got millions. He could pack up and move to the hills. You know, he could hire him a, a private security force and just uh, you know live as a hermit. But he chooses to uh, go out there and 
and and do what all Americans do is entrepreneur. And he's out there working hard, building a studio, making an investment in his hometown, in a bad part of Atlanta. Uh, I'm giving big kudos to him and also for coming out and saying, you know, I need the police. Yeah. There's no telling what his what he pays in taxes down there, but actually funds the police. So he is yeah. funding the police. He also um, made uh, made the point that he's got a lot of friends who are police officers that are really good people. And he says, I've watched right. their faces and I've seen how hurt they are by what people are, are saying. And I agree with that totally. I mean, well, people the, people the, are painting the, with a broad yeah. brush there. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Well, the end game is the end game is good folks are not going to go be a policeman or a police. They're not going to go into the force. I think we've seen it in Minnesota. Uh, 40, 30 or 40 percent are retiring. Yeah, out there in now, Minneapolis. They're, they're doing the same thing I'm in out. New York City. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just people. I mean, everybody has to understand when a police officer is doing his job, uh, one of the number one things that he wants to do is go home at night to his family. That's right. So uh, he is going to protect, you know, his bacon as much as he's trying to protect your rights and your bacon as well. So you you got to understand it from his uh, or her uh, perspective as well. Give you the last uh, uh, say here, Robert. Anything else you want to add? Well, it's always dangerous to give me the last say, but that notwithstanding, I want to say that people need to understand that life is about balance. We don't want to live in a police state. We don't live in a police state, and we don't want the opposite as well, which is to eliminate police. I think generally across the United States, we have a good balance already. That doesn't mean we can't improve law enforcement because we can improve everything. We are flawed individuals. God made us that way, and we should always seek to improve. Yeah. All right, so when we come back, we'll take our final break here in just a few minutes. Uh, When we come back to finish up the show today, the president yesterday suggested that uh, perhaps we should delay the election over potential mail-in voter fraud. And the the results of that statement were almost immediately uh, known from both sides of the aisle and from pundits on both sides saying that, no, uh, we can't allow uh, the uh, election to be uh, delayed. So let's talk about that when we continue in our final segment here of the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday. Stay with us. we got more coming your way. Final segment of a Friday edition, week edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Monday Power Panel is going to be back in. Think Jan Morgan's going to be there. Iverson Jackson will be there, who last week, uh, this last Monday, blew everybody away when he announced that he was going to run to be chairman of the Arkansas GOP on that particular program. I've had over, are you ready for this guy? 6,000 views. That's fantastic. I'm a big fan of Iverson's, uh, and I don't know all of his positions, so I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with all of them, but I'm a big fan. He's a solid individual. As you may recall, Dave, 
he came, Chris came, uh, Bob Ballinger came, Dan Sullivan came, Aaron Pilkington. Uh, so many folks came uh, to the law school in Little Rock when we put on a panel regarding Stand Your Ground. And Iverson made some very thoughtful comments. And I always appreciate his inclusion in these discussions. Uh, he's a great guy. He really, really is. And I kind of caught him off guard a few weeks back because I, I, I was talking about Doyle Webb coming to the end of his career as the uh, ARGOP, and he's held it longer than anybody else. He's the longest-running state chairman uh, in the United States for the, uh, the GOP. And I said when he left, we really needed somebody uh, who would be good and be a great uh, uh, conservative. And I looked directly at uh, at uh, Iverson and said, what about you? Have you ever thought about running for it? And as soon as I said it, Jan uh, got right into it as well and said, yeah, Iverson, you'd be great. And, of course, he said, yeah, I hadn't really, he hadn't really thought about it. And he wanted to pray about it, talk to his wife about it. He did all of those things, talked to uh, even talked to Doyle and talked to Asa Hutchinson as well. And they all uh, convinced him that it would be a good thing if he ran to be the chairman of the Arkansas GOP. So uh, it, nice. it's an exciting moment. I thought he would be the first African-American uh, head of the Arkansas GOP, and I was wrong. Uh, the gentleman who started the Templar building downtown there in uh, uh, Little Rock, uh, his picture hangs in the Arkansas uh, GOP uh, uh, building, and I've somehow have missed seeing it, but he is the first uh, African-American. We've had an African-American as our head of our, our party many, 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 many years ago. Interesting. Because we're all the That races. is very interesting. <laughs> That's very interesting. That, uh, and it's useful to bring out that type of history, given, as you say, how the Republicans are falsely attacked quite often. Yeah, that, that's, you know, and I, I talked to, to Seth Mays about that, and I said, you know, that's the kind of stuff all of us have to know so that we can talk to other people about it. I mean, seriously, how many African Americans have been head of the Democrats here in the state of Arkansas? I bet you it's not been a Man. lot. Yeah. Bet you it hasn't that's been a, a lot. Nah, that's the deception. That yep. The Democratic Party is out there helping these um, uh, the blacks and the, and the Hispanics. It's the big lie they sell. Oh, and they're, they're the leaders well. in civil rights. That's just BS, to be honest with you. Yeah. All right, so members of the media, politicians, others on both sides of the aisle swiftly condemned uh, the president over his suggestion in a tweet uh, yesterday morning that the U.S. could delay the 2020 election over concerns about the security of mail-in ballots. Trump and many Republicans have raised concerns in recent months about the security of mail-in ballots, but this is the first time Trump has mentioned the possibility of moving the election. Presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden previously said, mark my words, I think he's going to try to kick back the election somehow, uh, come up with some rationale why it can't be held. That's the only way he thinks he can possibly win. Trump, when pressed on the charge, denied he had thoughts of delaying the election, saying, why would I do that? Uh, but Trump brought up the topic of delaying the election in a Thursday tweet, which he later 
pinned to the top of his profile, making it the most prominent post on his feed. Quote, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history, Trump said. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Now, that's what he said, okay? That's what he said, and I don't think that what he said isn't without merit. What say you, Robert? Yeah, uh, look, uh, I think that uh, I'm just tired of the politicization of all of these issues. And so I I think there is merit to these statements, and I think we need to pay attention uh, to the details, and that is what is being lost today. Okay. How about you, uh, Chris? Yeah, it's it's outrageous, and it's going to be um, brought with fraud if we move forward with it. Uh, it's just got to be closely watched, and there's there's not a reason for it right now. There's just not a compelling reason to go to full mail-in ballots. Yeah, the uh, McConnell, Mitch McConnell, head of the uh, Senate Republicans, said that the election date is set in stone. He cited past crises taking place during an election, and we still went ahead and had the election. And I agree with him on that. I'm, I just think everybody's got to be ready to fight to stop mail-in ballots. That's what's got to happen. <laughs> Absolutely, Dave. You gotta, you gotta fight that stuff. It's, it's not good. It's not, uh, not good at all. All right. So you know, I, I think they tried to make a, a big uh, mountain out of a molehill over what uh, the president said, because he had a, he had a good reason for what he said. I think. Yeah. Well, well, think about this: the way President Trump operates, Dave. Just for a moment, do you think maybe he threw it out there just to? Just to cause a big discussion about it. I mean, he's a he's a master manipulator. He's a master uh, promoter of himself in the media. Um, maybe he just stood out there just to get some uh, the lefties to come out and just be outraged, right? Um, and and all he said is, "Hey, whoa, wait a minute, what, what's up with these uh, uh, mail-in ballots? There's lots of fraud. Maybe we delay the election." <laughs> I think he's I think he's slick in what he says. Not only yeah. agree with everything he says on Twitter feed, but maybe he's he's two or three moves out on this deal. Well, maybe it was the old uh, uh, Shakespearean statement, you know, from uh, Lady Macbeth who said, "I think me protesteth too much." Uh, you know, when you look <laughs> yeah. at Bernie Sanders and all the rest of them. I did not know this. A a St. Louis County, Missouri prosecutor said Thursday that he will not be charging the white police officer who shot 18-year-old Michael Brown in 2014 after he quietly reopened the investigation. Civil rights leaders and Brown's mother reportedly hoped that prosecuting attorney Wesley Bell, who became the county's first black prosecutor in January of 2019, might reopen the investigation into police officer uh, Darren Wilson, who shot Brown six years ago. Bell told reporters today that his decision was one of the most difficult things I've had to do, but after a five-month investigation into the case's evidence, 
witness statement and forensic reports, I've come to the conclusion that, quote, we cannot prove that he committed murder or manslaughter. Now, for anybody who thinks that's going to close this case, uh, I've got some land uh, in swamps here around uh, Arkansas I'd like to sell to you. They're going to, it's going to continue. They're going to continue debating this. But uh, this is like the, uh, what, the, la- uh, the fifth or sixth person who has said that this officer acted rightly. It was a righteous shooting is the, the, the terminology with Brown. I mean, Brown was, was charging him. Brown was beating him in his car. And that's when yeah. he, uh, you know, and then he finally shot him. I remember the fact that that case was terrible. That's Here's my question, guys. Why is, the, why is the prosecutor struggling uh, with that outcome, given the fact that Brown tried to take the gun away from the cop, fought with the cop, and then charged the cop? This, of course, is after he robbed the store and manhandled, I don't know if it was a clerk or a patron in the store, that oh, doesn't right. warrant that's shooting right. the guy, but it demonstrates that he was engaging during that very period in violent behavior. So why did the prosecutor struggle? Political reasons? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on him, don't you know? What do you think, Chris? I'll tell you what he was, yeah, you what he was struggling with. He was struggling to make a case against him, and he couldn't. That's what he was struggling with. He, he was politically motivated to make a case against this white officer, um, and um, that's why he was struggling. It was. It goes back to Scalia talking about his counterparts up there when he was alive, the Supreme Court justice. What's hard is to try to make the law say something it doesn't say. <laughs> that's what that's the, the prosecutor's trying to make the facts say something it didn't say, and. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why he's frustrated. He wanted to bring a case. He's, he's leftist um, uh, prosecutors and want to make a name for themselves and prosecuting somebody so they can go on to the next office, like the judge's chair, and then be biased in an effort to help promote prosecute, prosecutorial agendas. I, I see it all the time, Dave, and uh, Rob and I discuss it. It's, it's a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a tragedy, but it's also a tragedy that you got a guy that had committed uh, robbery and wouldn't uh, adhere to what the law wanted him to do, and then bull rushed the law officer. I mean, yeah, I, I got you got to be smarter than that. And, yeah, yeah. How about don't break the law? <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, isn't it? Uh, can I yeah. sort of mention a tangential uh, point, which is this is why you, Dave, and I are continuing to push Chris to run for state Senate, not the following term, uh, for what will be Jason Rayford's open seat when he runs yeah, 20, for lieutenant governor. 2022. Right. And Chris is right. interested, hasn't made a final decision yet, but that's why we need good right. people like Chris in office. All right, guys, have a great weekend. I'll see you next Friday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll see you, my listeners, 6 a.m., on Monday.